Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello everybody, how are you all? I can't believe we are in March already. I hope you're staying strong and positive and drinking delicious wines to make your days that little bit brighter. So to add extra magic and brightness to your day, today's episode is all about Greek wines. Now I cannot introduce my guest officially because he's decided to be anonymous, but what I can tell you is he is a top Greek sommelier in London, having worked in fine dining restaurants and Michelin star restaurants. Now, the reason for him wanting to be anonymous, he has just launched a wine website called thevinanaut.com. And the idea is he wants it to be about the wine, about the wineries and not about who he is. So you will just have to keep on guessing. You can also watch videos on YouTube. The channel is called Vino Republic, where you will see a bottle of wine and just his hand so go and explore now may I remind you there is always a transcript to these episodes and you can find that in the show notes or just go to my website eat sleep wine repeat slash podcast and you'll be able to find it because with this episode more than any with the Greek great varieties the Greek wine names the Greek wineries how they're said and how they're spelt are completely different Now, we owe it to the Greeks to get into Greek wine if we haven't already. Remember, this is the birthplace of democracy, the beginnings of philosophy. They brought us literature, the Olympic Games, Greek mythology, which is so much fun, drama, arts, the lot. The truth is they were intelligent people. You had Hippocrates, the Greek physician, advising patients to a tablespoon of wine as a remedy every day. Now, in fact, even during the debates at the Greek Symposia, they would dilute the wines down so that they wouldn't get too drunk. Instead, this would allow them to drink all night long and let the wine be the inspiration. The Greeks also considered wine to be the nectar of gods. I mean, as I said, intelligent people. You've probably heard of Dionysus, who was the god of wine, also known as Bacchus, and in fact, even Liber Pater, which, side note, is actually the most expensive wine to come out of Bordeaux. So just FYI. But let's get back to Dionysus. (laughs) He was also the god of ritual madness fertility and religious ecstasy. I mean, this truthfully does sound like my kind of God. I can get with this program. But yes, they would worship him to ensure a good harvest. Now, the history is impressive and extensive. The downfall, sadly, for the Greek empire of wine was when the Ottoman ruling happened, which lasted for about 400 years. And during that time, it was incredibly discouraged to make wines, to consume wines. And so they went from being a winemaking force of the world to virtually nothing. So it's only really in the 1970s, and this is when the appellation system was created, something that mirrors the appellation systems they have in France and and in Italy. It's since then that they've made a comeback, and a quality comeback they have made. 
about 80% of the wineries in Greece are less than 20 years old. So it really shows how new a winemaking region they are when ironically they have well over 4,000 years of winemaking history. So it's definitely a wine region to delve deep into. Now, I feel like I can't do a Greek podcast without mentioning Retsina. Retsina, I personally do not like. It is a dry white wine infused with pine resin. It certainly has an interesting spicy note, I can tell you that. It was a wine that was made actually by accident in history. So they used to seal the amphoras or their containers with pine resin and then it would actually drip into the wine. And over time, it's an acquired taste and something that is still actually very much loved now. However, the quality is way better now than it ever used to be in the past. Winemakers are deliberately making this wine. So it's definitely something to try, but not something that reflects the wines coming out of Greece right now. There are so many vibrant mineral-led whites and big and bold juicy reds and we are going to come on to that. So now before we go to the chat with my anonymous Greek sommelier, I thought I'd go and give you a little bit of a lowdown on the Greek wine regions. So when our anonymous sommelier is talking about the grape varieties, you should hopefully be able to pinpoint exactly where they're from. Okay, so with the wine regions, you can break down Greece into four. The northern part of Greece, the central part of Greece, the southern part of Greece, and then the islands in the Aegean Sea. Some of them obviously are closer to mainland Greece, others actually closer to mainland Turkey, but for the purposes of trying to separate the country into four. I shall call these the Mediterranean islands. So the Mediterranean islands are exactly what everyone thinks of when they think of Greece. You know, the blue topped roofs and all the beautiful sunsets. Well, the blue roofs are typically Santorini, which we're going to go into more detail over. So you will learn about the Assertico grape variety then. There's the Limnos island and the main grape variety that grows there is Limnio, which is a red full bodied wine producing very herbaceous styles, lots of raspberry notes. And another island to think about would be Samos, which is known for the Muscat of Samos. So they can make dry wines all the way through to sweet with the Muscat grape variety. So these are really warm Mediterranean style islands. Now heading right up to the north of mainland Greece, you have Macedonia. Now the most famous area in Macedonia producing really premium wine is Nausa. And we're going to be talking about the two main grape varieties of this area. That would be Ktsina Mavro, which is the king of red grape varieties in Greece, and then Malagosia, which is a white variety. Now here up in the north, remember that it's surrounded by lots of mountains, so it's a lot more of a continental climate. So colder winters, more rain in fact, very, very different than what you might expect. Now Going to central Greece, it obviously gets warmer and hotter the further down south you go. So more of the Mediterranean climate you would expect. There are regions within central Greece like Thessaly and Attica. Now Attica is actually specifically where the Retsina has come from. So the main grape variety that grows there is Savatiano. This is a less aromatic grape variety, always typically used in Retsina, but now made on its own as a dry white wine and you can expect kind of green apples and melon and just a lovely good acidity now they're making it so much better 
sometimes if you get retsina now they may use acertigo in fact that's the great variety from santorini island or even another indigenous variety called roditis which is actually typically found in the peloponnese region which is in the southern part of Greece. So we'll go to the southern part now in the Peloponnese. And the main region in the Peloponnese is Nemea. Now, Nemea is where you're going to find your Ioriatico. We're going to taste one of them in a little bit. And the white grape variety, Moscofiloro, which is a really floral, peachy, almost even a Turkish delight nature to it. It is delicious. And that you can find just south of Nemea in a region called Mantenea. Then right on the coast, you have Patra, which is the third largest city in Greece. There you can find a really lovely grape variety called Mavrodavni, which it typically makes some really great dessert wine. Think raisins and dates, but more and more, they're starting to make it into a dry red wine style and if so expect more of that black fruits but with a peppery nature a bit of coffee some bay leaf you can also find that great variety on kefalonia if you ever go to visit in fact also talking of kefalonia there's a beautiful white grape variety beautifully scented called robola and that's a very citrusy pineapple high acidity style of wine that's delicious hopefully you're understanding now there are a lot of amazing indigenous varieties to explore now just sticking with the southern region the island of crete south of the mainland and if you're going to Crete one of the main grape varieties there is a white grape variety called Vidiano which is a really lovely floral and stone fruit style of white wine and depending on where it's planted and the altitude apparently it really can give Acertico a bit of a run for its money. Now here in the whole southern part of Greece you get your hot Mediterranean climate in the Peloponnese area but remember there are still lots of hills and quite a lot of altitude and a lot of people planting on north facing slopes so you get a lot of microclimates around here right well now I think is the time to go over to the chat with my lovely sommelier friend I have to apologize for the sound quality unfortunately good old technology had a little bit of a boo-boo all the wines got drunk everything got recorded and if you do try and do things a second time it's never as good right so Please stick with me, I promise you, because I've listened to this whilst editing over and over again, that within two minutes you will forget all about the sound quality and you'll just be focused on absorbing as much Greek wine knowledge as you possibly can. Also, a big shout out to our sponsor, Hallgarten and Novum Wines, who were kind enough to make sure that we had some delicious Greek wines to try on this podcast. So without further ado, I know you're all super excited for this terrible audio. Let's get cracking. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm uh, excited and honored to join you for this podcast. Thank you. So let's pour our first wine this podcast. Is all about Greek wine. Where are you from in, in Greece? So I was born and raised in Athens. That's perfect. Athens, right in the middle. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Mm, yum. Well, I, I grew up with wines more or less like this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was always a bottle of wine on the table. It Tough was, life. <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> it was uh, paired with food and uh, I got into the wine culture from a very early age mm-hmm. that showed me or revealed to me the beauty of everyday life of having amazing flavors, pairing the food yeah. with wine. And what was the moment? 
So it has uh, not to do with Greek wine. Oh, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> it happens. Even, even, even if I had very good wines mm -hmm. from Greece, until the moment I tried my first Amarone. Amarone. Yeah, it was a present for my birthday and about the rest is history. I decided to explore more. Do you know that one of my epiphany moments, I was already in the wine industry, so I'm slightly jumping ahead, but a specific epiphany moment was a Cinturelli Amarone. Uh, yeah, uh, and it made my legs. I actually feel like, I might be exaggerating here, I, it felt like there were a little shaky. There was a moment. Do you know what? I, you know what I mean. Yes. You have the epiphany moment. Yes. Well, Kinderelli Amarone definitely have an epiphany. For anybody who doesn't know who Kinderelli is, he is the legend, a legendary, legendary producer of Amarone, and you definitely need to get your hands on some. Unfortunately, he has passed away. This son is still doing fantastic things. Indeed. But we should not be talking about Italian wine. Now, let's get to business. We are drinking Malagosia. Um, Yes. So while I was young, by Yoruba Sidnew, the winemaker saved from extinction. Yeah, this is fantastic, isn't it? This winery wine. and the guy behind it. So how did he save Malawasia from extinction? Okay, let's go through a bit of more history mm, here. Okay. Because in Greece, there is uninterrupted wine production for more than 4,000 years. I mean, mm -hmm. evidence for 4,000 months. And there were long periods that viticulture got neglected. Mm -hmm. During this period, some grape varieties go near extension. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, some people like Yorosimu, with their efforts and with experimenting a lot, they, they realized that there are unknown or obscure grape varieties yeah. that they deserve a second chance, let's say. <laughs> and, um, Bring it back! Yes, 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 exactly. So, Yerovasilu was working at Porto Caras, Chateau Porto Caras. Which really, they've been around since the 1960s or 70s. 70s yes. And they're kind of the start of the modern day era exactly. of Greek wine, right? Exactly. That, that's correct. That's correct. Mm. We're talking about the mid 70s. Mm -hmm. And then Yerovasilu started working at Chateau Porto Caras. Here I have to mention that at the time, there was also a Milpeno. Yes, he was. He studied underneath him, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, he was a yes. student. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he was uh, advising for Chateau Paul Garas, and Yero started working there. And he discovered Malagosia. Mm -hmm. He realized that there is a great potential with this aromatic grape variety. Mm -hmm. And the rest is history. Now is uh, everyone loves this yes, great variety yes, in Greece now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that is that is correct. I think it's easy going, very aromatic and cheerful, perfumed. It's yes. pretty, quite fun as well. I mean, I don't actually fun doesn't give it enough credit. Because it's not just simple. It does smell like I'm sticking my nose into like a, ironically, a pot of pot puree. It smells so much of so many different flowers and apricots and peaches and stone fruits. And it's a really highly concentrated aroma on the nose, isn't it? It's yes. Yeah. It's also a food wine. And hmm. um, I have to say that I had some beautiful dishes and beautiful. Ooh, okay. Food pairings, let's go. Food pairings with, with Malagosia wine, such as, for me, except the, what you mentioned, the floral part, there's mm -hmm. also a bit of some tropical fruits like mm -hmm. mango or uh, even notes of passion fruit. Mm -hmm. So the thing is that there is kind of a sweet side without being sweet, and there is a refreshing acidity mm -hmm. that is calling for some exotic uh, fruits, and then it's based on uh, prawns, lobster, or any kind of white seafood, I wouldn't say oysters, but 
seafood, it can be brilliant. Mm, definitely doing like a mango puree and then squeeze mm. of lemon. And maybe this could even handle a little bit of spice, a little bit of Cajun on the white fish, just yes. for the fact, because yes. there is this more voluptuousness and concentration of fruit. Like there is that slight Gavert Charina style yeah, almost it is, to it. Is, it, is, it, is, um, it is. The florality is definitely giving some some gibustamina notes, but also the acidity is making a big difference with gibustamina. It's refreshing the palate and it helps a lot, I think. I think it's super, super yummy and definitely it's a noticeable one. When you smell it with all the flavours, there's stuff going on. I think this can really get a lot of talk around the table going. And obviously, so happy that you have brought this wine, the guy that has rescued, resuscitated this grape variety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this specific wine is 1849-ish, is what we've been told, and you can get it from Selfridges. So that makes things quite easy for people in the UK, right? And I think this is so interesting and so concentrated. I'm very, very happy with this. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about the history then? Whilst we're just sipping away, tell us a story. <laughs> <laughs> so storytelling, okay. As I mentioned, it's more probably more than 4,000 years. And also, I think we need to mention that the first wine writers were... Greece, in ancient Greece, mm -hmm. and also that very important fact that the system mapping with the culture, the training system, and a lot of experimentation with different soils, they were taking place in Greece. That's where it all started. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, there were long periods that the council got neglected, but thankfully, thanks to the efforts of people like Yorvasiu, everything is back to, well, I, I wouldn't say it's back, but definitely the last. 40 to 45 years, there is a renaissance, there is a, a lot of good efforts and good things going on. Um, if you'd like, I could say a little bit about the um, microclimate, Why the geography. Not? You know what? I think that's really interesting because a lot of people go, Greece, oh, it's hot. And actually, in terms of the viticultural areas, there is a lot of different topography, different terroirs, and it's a hell of a lot colder in many of these areas than people have any idea about. So yeah, tell everybody the main wine-growing regions. So in Greece, there are mountains, mountains. Quite a lot. And more mountains. <laughs> so when I say quite a lot, yes. really a lot. Yes. yes. <laughs> of course, there are thousands of islands. Mm -hmm. The climate is very, very hot. But there are big differences between different places. Mm -hmm. Now, we are trying this Malagosia that is from the north part, from Macedonia, mm -hmm. and from Macedonia, and it is slightly cooler than, for example, Crete or Sardorin. Oh, for sure, yeah. And also, what is important is that whatever is on the mountain and 500, 600 meters above the sea level, it has a quite different edge on it than the vines that are closer to the sea and on flat land. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, that applies everywhere, mm -hmm. but you can also sense it in the Greek wines. Mm -hmm. Now, if we want to be more specific for a panomi that Yorvasiu uh, is uh, located, there is no, there is, it's a stages appellation. It's not very well known. No. No. And I could say with my English accent, epanomi. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, epanomi. A lot of people who do know a bit about Greek wine will, of course, have heard of Nemia, yes. right? But they won't have heard of this region, perhaps, as an example. 
So the, the big difference for Panome is Giro Basilio. He made Panome what it is today. Mm-hmm. Of course, I think that we already have a good location, yeah. a good place to grow vines and to grow grapes. But mainly in Scalcarius and Sardin products okay. with a lot of sea deposits. Then is Giro Basilio's expertise and his experience and his knowledge and his passion and his uh, efforts they really transform this humble population into a great one. Yes. But in general, if we think about the north, there are the places that the harvest is taking place last, mm-hmm. so late September, and they really pray that they will not be affected by rain. Mm, okay. So yeah. that, that is always a hazard, that is always very dangerous for the winemakers of mm-hmm. the north. At the south, things are a bit easier. At the south, they're fighting with heat waves Mm -hmm. and excess temperatures. So then let's have a second chat about the winery a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So obviously we know that he's rescued Malagosia, but also in general, he's started up lots of different wineries. There's lots of different projects. This fantastic winemaker who we said he was a student of Emile Penard, which is an incredible knologist from Bordeaux. He has got lots of different fingers in pies as well. It's not just this family winery that he's running, mm-hmm. but there's other... Um... He started at the Lia Hora at 1990. Thank you, Lia Thank yes. you. <laughs> and he also had some, for a couple of years, with partners in Escapades in Astelogos. Yes, in, in South, South, Africa. South Africa. He's doing that now as well. But what is interesting with Erosilio is that he is experimenting a lot with many different varieties, mm-hmm. indigenous and international. Yeah. I believe he's making an exceptional job with international varieties, okay. such as Syrah, Chardonnay, Pionier. So at the Viejora, there is something amazing that is happening. There is overall 10, 10 or 12 wines, mm-hmm. and each one of them is offering something that you can talk about, you can enjoy, and the premiums they can last for. I don't know if you've ever heard about Ovilos. No, but I'm going to pretend I have. So there is Ovilos <laughs> red and Ovilos white, and these wines that are aged, you can sell them. And I, I was lucky enough to try eight years old, and they develop, they develop a lot. Beautiful. And but even even the basic level, you can find it everywhere, and you know that with a very inexpensive wine, mm-hmm. you will have a lot of pleasure. So win win. Right. Mm-hmm. It's Gero Vasilio, right? The winery, Gero Vasilio. Yes. But I say that just because I'm saying it's slower than you. So for people, Gero Vasilio. All of his projects, whether it be this family project or the other wineries we mentioned, they're all in the northwest, aren't they, of yes. Greece? Whereas, yes, yes. so Nelsa is the main region that people may have heard of in the north, in Macedonia, right? Mm-hmm. Considering we do not have that Greek variety. No, no. Do we want to touch on the famous Greek variety of Macedonia? Absolutely, today? absolutely. I was tempted to include this Greek variety mm-hmm. and um, also one or two wineries. One of them is Kiriannis. Kiriannis mm-hmm. Butaris that proved themselves over decades yes. or more than a century now. And the, the Butaris family, they are making an exceptional job and they also know how to vinify Ximomavro. Mm-hmm. So this is the great variety. Well, I will tell you that if I was rich, I would I would go and buy some land okay. and make Ximomavro, which is so charismatic. Having It's a difficult great variety. 
I it, can imagine. It's very difficult to grow and it's very difficult to tame with extremely high tannins and very, very high acidity. Mm-hmm. And the perfume, the aroma is unique. You can correlate a little bit with Nebbiolo, but... Uh, I see, I always say it's like Barolo and yeah. Pinot Noir and a mm. love child. How do you feel about that? Uh, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yes and I no. I think it's a fantastic description, but of course, as a Greek, you're probably like, no, Sinomavro is Sinomavro. There's nothing quite like it, which is fair enough. But for people listening who've never had it, it does have those really high tannins, almost even the paler colour of a brollo and even that slightly mushroomy, earthy nature, but beautiful fruits and florals and perfume and also a slight softness of Pinot Noir. It's a very perfectly powerful, restrained, elegant grape variety. Yes. First of all, Sinomavro is a combination of two words. Xino, which is mm-hmm. sour in Greek, and mm-hmm. Mavro, which is black. Mm-hmm. So like, Xino is definitely Xino because the acidity is very high. But Mavro, we are not sure why they call it Mavro because the calories... It's not that black. No, it's not that, <laughs> it's black. Not that dark, is it? But we don't know why. Anyway, it's, it's a favorite beer variety for me. But also a great variety that can produce sparkling wines mm-hmm. and very robust red wines. I was lucky enough to try 25 years old wines, not all of them, of course, but most of them, I would say that they can last long. And when you open them after all these years, the bouquet, the spectrum of aromatics is amazing. I I remember I opened a bottle and I was keeping notes and my notes were going on and on and on. (laughs) Now, how would you compare Sina Mavro in terms of ageability to Ayoyotico, the other red main great variety of breeds. So the, the Ayurvedico that we will try, uh, they're very different. They're very different because uh, Ayurvedico, it almost immediately or in a couple of years can offer a lot, but Xenomavro needs celery. And also the great positive with Ayurvedico is that it's a very balanced grape variety. Mm. There are tannins, but they're quite round yeah. and they're moderate, let's say. When we're talking about acidity, it's always in the middle. And the bouquet is a very easy going blend of black and red fruit. And mm-hmm. also it can integrate oak very, very well. In contrast with Xenomavro, you have to be very, very careful with oak. You mm-hmm. have to be very careful. It can be destroyed with excessive oak or it can be elevated. In the case of Ayurvedico, there is a softer and quite velvety, if you want, more feminine yeah. well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, won't we, when we taste it. But I always think if Merlot had a love child with Barbera, maybe. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I'm okay. liking my love child. You know, but it's the softer tannins, the juicy fruit. It can be made into as well a rosé. Right, let's pour the second wine. We are pouring now probably the most famous grape variety in terms of internationally from Greece. I think if anybody would talk about one grape variety, it would be Asceticol. Yes, 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 yes. And I have to say Asceticol for me is the point of difference because of the island, because of where it comes from. Do you want to tell us a little bit about why you think Santorini, the island, is so special? I think we, we also need to mention here that we are trying Igea. Oh my God, I love how you pronounce this. I always said yeah. Gaia. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, of uh, course, in, in Latin <laughs> characters, it's Gaia, but for me This it is was... why it's amazing to have you here. Can you please 
pronounce it one more time. So is Yea, and Yea is the ancient mm -hmm. name for planet Earth. That's it. Oh. Pangaea. Yeah, Pangaea, Pangaea. So the, this is the brainchild of Mr. Panaskevopoulos, and it is probably the first acidical that means something astonishing. I have to say that. This is pure. So it's failing mm -hmm. still, it's coming from quite low yields, and also it's volcanic soil. Volcanic soil completely saturating it. And what they aim with this wine that was first released in 1995, if I'm not wrong. I know that they started in 1994. Yes. <laughs> so it's 1994 or 1995. But they, they said, okay, we're gonna produce this wine as few as possible. And it's worth to mention that Thalassitis is from the Greek word thalassa, which is the sea. Mm. Because of the effect of the sea, is that yes, why? Yes, so that's yes. why they call this specific wine Thalassitis. Yes, and also at the island of Sadorini, where the plants, the vines, are getting the water, mm -hmm. where are they getting from? From the sea. The sea. <laughs> so the, 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 it's raining once per year or twice per year. It's terrible. They have great water problems there. Mm -hmm. And all the water is coming from the mist from the sea that is going up the island and is watering all the plants, including the vines. Oh, so it's a dedication. There is, there is a certain salinity into this wine, actually, that we are trying. Mm -hmm. And um, in uh, Sadorin, the acidicals that they are produced. Yeah, fab. If we compare this to the other one, I mean, look, let's compare this to wine in general. Mm -hmm. The minerality. The steeliness, the slatiness, it's not about fruiting at no, all, is it? No. So this wine, I have to mention something. We have decanted the wine mm. that is beneficial. I really recommend to decant a white wine. Yes. Yes. It you exists. have to believe me, it exists. Mm -hmm. uh, it has changed since we decanted it. So when we first decanted it, all the mineral notes came through, definitely, and I got like a little touch of lemon. But it was quite, well, it was it was shy, wasn't it? It was definitely the fruit mm -hmm. was very restrained. The fruit has come out much more now. Obviously still playing second place to the minerality. But now I get still get the lemon, but I'm getting hints of mango as well in there. But it's very soft. It's an absolutely pure, linear, fresh, super high acidity wine. It's the acidity is quite high and this is really calling for oysters it's calling for mm. raw seafood raw seafood ceviche maybe ceviche mm. definitely with a slice of mango why not and the reason tropical side that is a bit more expected on them because acidico now is a, like Malagosia mm. it has conquered other regions and also it's it's growing in foreign lands. Australia yes. it probably is the number one for acidical yeah, now, yeah, right? Yeah, Jindari, and then Lebanon, and Ooh, yeah, Lebanon. Yeah, yeah, and lately, Lacdoc in France. Wow, really? So why is that? Because after centuries and centuries of natural selection mm -hmm. and evolution, the indigenous grapes at Greece, because they have to adapt to a, a very arid and hot climate, they adapt in the climate change. Mm -hmm. So they have problems now, more and more winemakers, with adapting to hotter seasons, higher temperatures. And acidico, it seems, that is adapting very, very well to an extreme hot climate, like in Lebanon or in 
Australia or in the south of France. Interesting. Yes, but the detail that is, is making the big difference here is the minerality mm-hmm. that you can only find in Sandorin. Sandorin is often in that. We are talking about Prefiloxera vines. They're also, really old, yeah. aren't they? They're maybe even 300-year-old yeah, vines yeah, 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 in no. Santorini? Now in our glasses we have a wine produced by 80 to 100-year-old vines. Such a baby in comparison to some of the others. Yes, Such yes, a yes. baby. That's true, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but still is offering this minerality, which is, ah. it's there. I mean, if you really want to try a mineral or wine and you like this kind of slaty finish, Flinty, that is your wine. As it's proving in the glass with tropical fruit, as Anina mentioned, which is quite interesting. It's stunning. The length is really long. It's super refreshing. And this is really, really unique. Anyone who's interested, this is a little bit more expensive and hence why also it's fantastic in a decanter. Complex white wines need to open up. Remember, white wines or red wines, if they're stuck in a bottle, there are particles that are squished and we need to open them out and let them dance around. And this is definitely working for us. So this is around $28.99, apparently. There are a few places we know you can get it from in the UK. Noble Grape, Selfridges again, and Hedonism. It's absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, if anyone says as well, like, what is terroir? So terroir, of course, is your your soils, your climate, the weather. Is there hills nearby? Is there a forest nearby? Also, terroir includes the winemaker as well, although I don't actually agree with that so much, but it, it is. So it's just everything that influences the wine and specifically those volcanic soils. And I believe, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. can get volcanic soils, of course, in, in other areas like Mount Etna and yeah, Sicily yeah. as an example, yeah, but they have different soils as well. Whereas on Santorini, it's literally volcanic soil. Since the eruption in 1500 BC, something like that, 1600, it's just, I mean, that was devastating the effect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Apparently for years afterwards, the world was affected. There were tsunamis. I mean, there was apparently... This is probably the reason why the Lloyd civilization ended. Mm. Also interesting to know that there are a couple of different lava and volcanic soil. So it is volcanic soil, but it has different So, so we have the pumice, mm-hmm. we have the uh, basalt, yes, and we have the volcanic marl. So it's everywhere the vines are growing different volcanic soils, and they are giving slightly different results, always imparting the mineral, mm. always. And so if we have an acidico at a different place, it's very different. It can be delicious, and there are delicious acidico from mainland and Macedonia and other islands. But I would say I don't think they have the same potential, aging potential. And what about the baskets? We've talked about the volcanic soils, but the way the yes. vines are grown. That mm. is so unusual and so unique to Santorini. So in order to survive, you have to, how do you call that? You, to, you, wrap, you, you wrap, wrap the vines. In the basket, it's called calafe in Greek, and they have to survive the wind, very windy there, and also they are getting protected into the basket by the extreme temperatures mm. sometimes. So yes, if you ever visit, you will see a vine landscape like no other. Certainly unique and super crazy. Now, talking of unique, I don't know if I'm correct in saying this, let's move on to the next wine, which is super random indigenous grape varieties for me. I'd never heard of them at all. So we're going back to the original producer again now, aren't we? We're going back to Yolvasilio, in the Palomín, and we're going to call Avaton. 
it is a blend of Lemignon, Mavrudin, and Mavrotrak. I know, I know, I know, it's a bit difficult. Let's do it one more time for everyone. So, Lemignon, which is... Lemignon? I think it's the ancient grey variety in Greece. It is recorded by a couple of uh, ancient writers, Aristotle included. Then is the Mavrudin, which is the local... Mavruri. And Mavrutragano, which is coming from Sandorini. Ah, Mavrutragano. Yeah, and is another very interesting variety. So, Hirovasil believed in these grape varieties and he found the right proportion for them. So, it is 60 Lignon and the rest 2020. So, what do you think? I think it's all about fruit. There's a real intensity of dark, crushed, fresh, pure blackberries and black cherries. And then mm. what I was surprised about when we first opened this up, you told me there was 15 months in oak barrels, yeah. right? Yes. And on, on the nose, you didn't get that. It was just such a freshness. But now I'm getting a real chocolate wafer. It's a so- like a bit of like mocha. It's mocha powder, yes. but it's very soft, it's still quite subtle, but it's pleasant and it's pretty, which I just think is so, it's so different from a normal wine that has oak in it. It's not that typical just spice or cedar, it's just a softer, more perfumed version. The, the magic word it would be elegant. It's so elegant. And elegance is something that I think we tend to miss or we tend to not to pay a lot of attention. It's very important when something is so balanced and so delicious at the same time. Yes, it's all about the black, ripe, red fruit, and it definitely has evolved to a more chocolatey mm. character. But also, there's a certain juiciness that... Oh, medium-bodied ah. still, super soft tannins, mm. really approachable. The tannins are really... They're ripe, but they're they're just super, super soft now. It's Around and soft, yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Aviton, for anybody interested, I'm just looking on the bottle now, means a place inaccessible and unapproachable, invoilable. What does invoilable mean? Oh, gosh. Invoilable <laughs> and sacred. <laughs> Someone tell me what invoilable means. And sacred. <laughs> Isn't that, that, that sounds amazing. And I can tell you it tastes amazing. It's twenty one ninety nine roughly, which is amazing value and amazing to get your hands on something that is indigenous and pretty unique. Again, Selfridges, they seem to be a lover of Greek wines. You can get in Selfridges and also a place called Shelved Wine, should you be interested and you're in the UK. But Jura Vasilio, this winery is just doing amazing things. They are working really well with indigenous varieties. And I think anything that this guy gets his hands on is gold. It's yeah. a top, top winery. Yes, I really think that is Midas Touch, the ancient kingdom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, Midas Touch. Yes, I really believe that there is a lot to expect, even if he was and is famous for his white blends and white grey varieties. Now he's doing a terrific job on red grey varieties as well. And I think it's time for the start. Is it time? Is it time? Okay, so we. So. Yay! We are going back to. Back to yeah. Where is Namia? What yeah. major region is Namia in? Uh, Namia is the largest, first of all, largest viticultural region in Greece. Mm-hmm. I think there are ah, more than 30,000 acres. Mm-hmm. More, more than that. And since the ancient time, they grow vines. So 
Mr. Basketball Blues will be founder of Yeah. Or Gaia, if you're really bad like me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he chose two regions, Sadolini and Amen. And he is working almost exclusively with indigenous grape varieties. Mm-hmm. We are talking about Greek grape varieties. This is a 100% Ayurvedic and it is an Ayurvedic that... Is serious? It is, it is very, very serious. He decided to produce a wine, that, to produce an Ayurvedic that will go on for a couple of years. And I think you will, we haven't tried it yet, but the structure is there. The nose is well, it's, powerful. It's powerful, and oak is uh, showing. It's got some sweet oak in there. There's yeah. something again, really concentrated. Lots of dark fruits, but there's something a little bit more vibrant and red in there as well. Something a bit sweeter from the oak. This, as far as I believe, am I right? This was the first Ayoyotico that was kind of seen as serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is exactly, exactly as you said. So he aimed for an Ayurvedic that you can sell her and you can open after a decade or more. I was lucky enough to try a 15 years old in my year and oh, it's, it's unbelievable the complexity and the treasury aroma that it, it develops. So for me, always there were two fruits that they are definitely here Moreno cherries. Mm. And Damson. There is a real perfume to it, and it's very on the palate. The red fruit comes out more, so it's darker and a little bit more oakier on the nose, mm. and then it's actually softer and fresher and lighter. I don't want to say it's a light one; it's not, but it's it dances more on the palate. It's quite alive. It's still closed. This a little bit, isn't it? We haven't tried this. We tried the others just before because we could. <laughs> and this <laughs> and this one, we thought, nah, it needs to be decanted, and we'll just get round to it. And we never actually did try it before. But um, yeah, still the way I think you can understand that this is a serious wine that needs food definitely, and it's uh, I wouldn't call it full body, but it's a fleshy. Mm, that's perfect. It's, it's a fleshy wine. Mm-hmm. Ah, but we we forgot completely to mention the vintages. So we oh. we, we 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 are trying. <laughs> Uh, for the red wines, it's both 2017. The Asiatic of the Tala Cities is 2019, and the Malawi is 2020. Would you sell her this one? 100%. I mean, it's lovely now, and you can enjoy it, but I think in terms of ideal timing, I would want to wait maybe three more years, and mm-hmm. then there would be at least five to seven years on top of that. You know, I, I guess... Without being presumptuous, you've got at least 15 years with this wine. Yes, yes, yes. I'm at the same page. I also think that you need food. <laughs> I mean, okay, for Where's me, our food? you can have a glass of song, yes, but you realize very quickly you need something to pair. You need something to eat. I would... The tannins are pretty present. They're pretty grippy, but they're not powerful and over the top. Yeah, so for that reason, and the fact that there's quite a nice, I think, all that red fruits and berries and cherries coming through on the palate, something like duck with a kind of cherry compote, a fruitier sauce to go along the side, I think could go very, very nicely with it. Uh, and again, it would be roasted duck. So to go with that, the slight oak notes, I think could be... Pretty nice. I don't know if you've ever had a perfect pairing. Pork with prunes. Ooh, he's good, isn't he, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, I've tried that. Good. (laughs) And it was good. Yeah, because you don't. I mean, this would be fine with beef. 
is we'll be fine with the steak, no worries, you're going to have fun. But because of the softness to this wine and the openness to it, having it with something like pork or, as I mentioned, duck, something that doesn't need crazy tannins or anything like that, and especially pork with the prunes, is with... Put it with some meat that can have a fruity sauce with it. Yeah, I think it exactly. really... Exactly. It's, exactly. it's screaming for that, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's fantastic. Mm. So next time I'm cooking, probably as well. Yes, please. <laughs> now, any conclusions to finish off with in terms of grape wine? Yeah, well, what needs to be mentioned is that there are around 300 grape varieties, indigenous mm-hmm. grape varieties, but around 100 of them... We use them for commercial purposes, so we make wine and mm-hmm. uh, they are recognizable. That's it. So there are 100, forget about the rest, 200, 100 indigenous varieties to discover. And I really believe that some of them, they deserve an international career, but slowly they get. So when we were talking about Asipico, Asipico has gone into the lists of great restaurants, Michelin style restaurants. Mm-hmm. Restaurants with great wines, and more and more people appreciate the potential of some of the great varieties, like Ayurvedic, like Asiatic, like uh, even Malaysia. I tell you what, we haven't mentioned Moscovillero. Ah, Moscovillero, yeah, of course, of course, Moscovillero, a pink grape variety. Mm-hmm. I think that's so aromatic. I think you have a lot of aromatic whites, and I love that. Moscovillero is a top one for me, and another top. Great variety for me is Daphne from yes. Crete, from Crete, the Crete island. Lucarasis. I'm pronouncing the name wrong. What's the name of the wine? Okay. It's spelled with an A, like it looks like it's an A upside down. Ah, it's Lirakis. Lirakis is an amazing winery, aren't they? On the Crete island, taking these almost indigenous varieties and really promoting them as well. They're a fantastic producer to go and try. They also saved, let's say, from Obscurity or mm-hmm. extinction. I'm not sure if it was near extinction like Manabuja, but definitely they tend to bring this not known reverities to a new quality level, which is very interesting. So wherever you go, you will find the vine, you will find the grape. And some they're very prestigious um, for our standards or they are quite well known, say for uh, sommelier. But everywhere there is wine and there is the culture of gastronomy and the pairing and so you have a lot to to discover and enjoy that's the main thing you have a lot of work to do is basically what you've been told you have a lot of work to do to get through those at least a hundred great varieties thank you so much my lovely anonymous london sommelier thank you for sharing just a tiny bit of your knowledge on great wine it's been a pleasure it's been a great experience to chat with you and uh, try to show some pleasures and some great varieties that they can deliver. These wines were fab. Just to finish off, this uh, wine is £35.99, roughly. You can get it from Vinum or you can get it from Strictly Wine. So we need to get that in there. So I forgot to say. Cheers. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. So as you now know, there are over 300 indigenous grape varieties from Greece and about 100 of them we can actually likely get our hands on. How many of them have you tried so far? Do you have any favourites? You have to let me know. Or are there some new varieties that you've heard of on this podcast that you're now going to set out and go and discover?
So for my wine quote of the week, I could have chosen Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, Homer, the Greek author, but I decided to go with Euripides, the tragedian of classic Athens, because I just love this quote. Super short, super simple. And he said, where there is no wine, there is no love. Punto. Full stop. Actually, I wonder what full stop is in Greek. (laughs) Someone let me know. So thank you so much for joining me again and with, of course, my anonymous sommelier. Please may I ask you, if you haven't already liked and shared this podcast, please do so. Any comments are so gratefully appreciated. And of course, don't forget to go across to patreon.com slash eat, sleep, wine, repeat, where you can have some extra special episodes for just a couple of quid a month. So until the next episode, guys, cheers to you.